discuss the NFL's first COVID-19 outbreak and some troubling injury news for a star-wide receiver on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone, welcome into Fantasy Football in 15. It is Wednesday, September 30th, the start of week four now upon us, right? Wednesday to Tuesday is our NFL week. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, how you doing today? Hanging in there, although it's the kind of day where I'd be likely to get ejected from <laughs> the sidelines or it would take a, a personal foul penalty. And I'm not normally one to get real upset, but you can just kind of feel it. You know, yeah. weather's changing here in the Midwest. I'm a little angsty about the outbreak news we got from the Titans earlier today. Um, so it's the kind of day where tempers can flare a little bit. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And let's start with that news on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, obviously, you have all heard by now, but we'll still cover it here. Three players and five non-player personnel with the Titans tested positive for COVID-19 after their game with the Vikings uh, in week three. All eight people are asymptomatic, but still Titans are shutting things down. They will remain shut down until Saturday. So that means no team meetings, no practice, no nothing. Can't go to the facility, nothing for the Titans until Saturday of this week. But as of now, uh, NFL saying that Titan Steelers still on as scheduled for 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. That feels like a bridge too far for me, even if they contain this. And even if the three players are not allowed to play in this game, which you have to assume would be the case, and uh, it doesn't spread to anyone else, there's just a competitive balance question. It wouldn't be fair for the Steelers to get to practice all week and the Titans show up on Saturday expecting to play a game. 24 hours later so I could see them pushing it to Monday maybe even Tuesday and figuring something out with that but I got to believe we are not going to see the Titans and Steelers on Sunday just my speculation Derek but that's what I think yeah and I think it leads us to a lot of fantasy related questions obviously it's a very serious situation and, and fantasy questions are not at the forefront of everyone's mind with something like this but you know for DFS purposes does that game get scratched off the board for season-long purposes if it gets postponed when is it made up, and then how do you handle that? I mean, I think that's going to lead to some weird stuff as well. Uh, hopefully, this is one of those things that the league learns from very quickly, and that the contact tracing is effective. And you know, we saw this in Major League Baseball. We saw the Marlins have a big outbreak. We saw the Cardinals have a big outbreak. At the time, it felt like baseball season was going to come to a halt. I don't think the clouds are quite as dark just yet with this current story, but you worry that football is just different. It, it's so much harder to contain something like this, at least it seems like it would be, just given the contact sport nature of what we're talking about. Um, all that being said, you know, we'll see the Vikings not having any positive tests, at least as of Monday, is a sliver of good news, and hopefully we get more good news as the week unfolds. Yeah, we are still awaiting results for the tests that the Vikings took on Tuesday. Have to assume that if those come back negative, then Vikings-Texans will be a go uh, for Week 4 as scheduled. Right now, of course, that game is a go. If uh, Titans and Steelers is uh, scheduled to remain on course for Sunday, then Vikings, Vikings and Texans obviously is as well. So something we will be watching closely uh, over the course of this week, and we'll see if they do end up rescheduling things for the Titans and the Steelers. But uh, hopefully they can take some pages right from Major League Baseball, as you said. Uh, you know, after those Marlins and Cardinals outbreaks, it felt like the season could 
could have ended right then and there. And from that point forward, MLB uh, had things on, uh, you know, right on the right track for the rest of the season. So hopefully uh, the NFL can learn from this and stay on the right track. And this is the only time that we have to talk about this at any point this season. Uh, The rest of week four, of course, going on as scheduled. The first game in week four is Thursday night football between the Broncos and the Jets. And we do have uh, some pieces of news to discuss there. Philip Lindsay practiced in limited fashion on Tuesday. He's been missing the last couple of games with a turf toe injury that he suffered in week one. Things are looking good for him to get back on the field uh, on Thursday night. And we talked about the fact that we're both a little tepid on him to get him back in lineups right away, maybe week five. We revisit that. Brett Rippon will get his first career start. He will take over for Jeff Driscoll, who is ineffective in the Broncos' week three loss. So it'll be Rippon going for the Broncos. Drew Locke could actually get back for this team uh, in week five. So definitely good news there. And if they're already saying that Locke might be back in week five, and they said after the shoulder injury that they didn't even need to put him on IR, knowing that he could be back in three weeks uh, on the new look IR in 2020, have to feel good about if not week five, then definitely week six. So a little bit of good news for the Broncos there. And then finally, Jamison Crowder is headed in the right direction. He practiced in limited fashion on Tuesday. He has missed the Jets' last couple of games with a hamstring injury. If he does end up being able to go in this game, Derek, where would you slot him in the wide receiver hierarchy this week? Yeah, probably in like the wide receiver 30 to 35 range if we're talking about a league where you get at least a half point per catch. I think part of what makes Crowder interesting is that the Jets are a mess in that group of pass catchers without him. They need him back. They've given him two weeks off. Hopefully, it's enough time for him to come back and not be at a high risk of a setback. Uh, I actually trust him quite a bit. I think when you rush a player back from a soft tissue injury like this, that's when I have more concerns. But if even if it's a grade one strain, a two-week absence is usually enough for that injury to fully heal. So, I would trust Crowder if he does, in fact, play on Thursday. And, you know, assuming my alternative isn't like a uh, clear-cut sort of toss-up mm-hmm. sort of situation, like I, I think Crowder can do some damage as the Jets' number one receiver. Yeah, obviously Sam Darnold has not been afraid to target him 15, 18 times in a game uh, already in their short time together. And you have to imagine with all the other injuries to that wide receiver group that that could be in store for Jamison Crowder in this game. It seems like a safe bet that he would rack up double-digit targets when you look at all those other injuries and consider the fact that Le'Veon Bell won't be out there for the Jets either. So you're not going to have a big impact pass catching back either, no matter if it is Frank Gore, if they get LaMichael P. Ryan a little bit more involved. It is going to be the Jamison Crowder show if he is able to go. So as unappetizing as it might be to start a New York Jet, I would add Jamison Crowder to Melvin Gordon as two guys who I would feel at least decent. Gordon better than decent, and Crowder at least decent about starting on Thursday night football. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Got some 49ers news to get to here, Derek. First, Jimmy Garoppolo not not expected 
to practice Wednesday. So that's a bad start to the week for someone who missed last week's game with an ankle injury. Could be another Nick Mullins week. George Kittle is going to be evaluated on Wednesday. He's missed the team's last two games with a knee injury. If you'll remember, uh, a little less than a week ago, back on Sunday, uh, Matt Barrows was on the Athletic Fantasy Cheat Sheet with us uh, leading into kickoff of Week Three's games. And he said that if that game were anywhere other than the Meadowlands where there have been some complaints about the turf, uh, that Kittle likely would have been able to go. So have to assume this evaluation is just to make sure everything is on track, make sure he's still feeling good. It does seem as though Kittle can make his return for the 49ers and for fantasy managers this week. And then the biggest news, at least as far as injuries go in San Francisco, is that Debo Samuel is expected to practice on a Wednesday. Of course, Debo Samuel hasn't played yet this season, had a Jones fracture, had surgery for it in the offseason. The team, right off the bat, expected him to miss three, four games, something in that range uh, in the regular season. And that's exactly where we are. He's missed three. This is week four, so it wouldn't be a surprise to see him get back on the field. I don't think anyone is trying to rush him into lineups in week four, but how interested would you be in him for the rest of the season uh, should he be able to get back on the field this week? Very interested in Debo Samuel. I do think it could take him a couple of weeks to sort of get his legs back, so that's one area of concern is that Initially, he might be more of a wide receiver three or flex consideration where you've got to start some guys over him who you ordinarily wouldn't. But by the time we get to the middle of this season, especially once that injury is fully healed and he's closer to 100%, I think Debo Samuel has top 20 wide receiver upside. I know George Kittle's the true number one in this offense. And uh, I think quarterback play is the other factor here, right? If it is Nick Mullins for a week or two still before we get Jimmy Garoppolo back. Like I think that impacts Debo more than it impacts Kittle because I think Debo is going to do a little more of his damage downfield, whereas Kittle is going to do a lot of his damage just after the catch, after catching the ball closer to the line of scrimmage. So uh, quarterback play is a slight factor as it pertains to Samuel as well. But ultimately, he's one of the few players that I wanted to stash in leagues where I had an IR spot because I think they have such a clear need at wide receiver like they're going to get him plenty of targets once he's healthy enough to really ascend to that number one receiver spot for them. You know, speaking of that need at wide receiver, we saw it filled by the rookie Brandon Ayuk last week, 70 yards through the air, 31 yards and a touchdown on the ground for the 49ers. We talked about him as a waiver target this week, and he certainly deserved to be uh, already. And if you have a league that doesn't uh, run waivers until some point Wednesday, I think he still deserves to be, even with the possibility that Debo Samuel does return this week. But this does throw a little bit of cold water on Brandon Ayuk right off the jump. I mean, if Debo Samuel's just out there, we're talking about targets coming away from Ayuk. I still think he's a useful guy. I still think there's a role for him in this San Francisco offense, but it's hard to be super jazzed about him in a week where he could be getting Debo Samuel and George Kittle back on the field with him. Yeah, I mean, you think about this team, like at its best, they run the ball really well. Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins, whoever's at quarterback, probably throws it about 30 times by design. Some weeks they'll throw it more if they're in a shootout or playing catch-up, but that's pretty rare when you think about how this team's built. So I do think the the way the targets go, they throw to their running backs a bit. Kittle's going to get his. It's hard for Ayuk to be more than a flex consideration once Samuel comes back, barring a big change to the way this team functions on a week-to-week basis. So I do like the talent. I think they will find ways to get the ball into his hands occasionally as a runner, but it's going to be a little bit feast or famine in part because that target floor is pretty low in this offense. 
All right, let's head out to Tampa. Let's talk about Chris Godwin here. He had an MRI for his ailing hamstring on Monday. We got the results of it on Tuesday. Sounds like he could miss multiple games. Sounds like almost for sure week four against the Chargers is going to be out for him. Of course, nothing official yet. We don't even have an injury report just yet, but it does sound like things are headed that way for Chris Godwin. The tricky thing here is that in week five, the Buccaneers play on Thursday night against the Bears. So it's a quick turnaround for Chris Godwin and the entire Buccaneers team from week four Sunday to week five Thursday. And that's why the team is already fearing that it could be a multiple week absence. So I guess there's a silver lining there in that the multiple week absence owes a little bit more to their schedule rather than the severity of the hamstring injury, but two games without Godwin is still two games without Chris Godwin. So that would be unfortunate. Is Scotty Miller now viable in week four? Should Godwin sit against the Chargers? Yeah, I think so. It's not a great matchup, but I think the target volume's high enough and the inconsistency of the tight ends in these first few weeks for the Bucks also makes me a little more interested in Scotty Miller. Uh, I think it would be surprising if we saw Chris Godwin before that week six matchup against Green Bay. Unfortunately for Godwin, the Bucks don't have a bye until week 13, so it would have been nice for his sake if they had one coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so this is the kind of thing that you kind of worry about. If they push him back too quickly, it could really nag him for several weeks. they got a lot of potential shootouts, though, coming up if they do give him these next couple games off. The Packer game in Week 6, the Raiders can put points on the board in Week 7, you get the Saints in Week 9, uh, you've got the Rams in Week 11, and you get the Chiefs in Week 12. So aside from the fact that Godwin is really good, the Bucks are going to be in a lot of fun games over the next seven weeks or so. So even if they have to hold him back for a couple of weeks, I think that's the right move given how important he is to this offense. In the first two weeks of the season, we saw Tom Brady play with a hobbled Mike Evans in week one and then without Chris Godwin in week two. Unsurprisingly, he gets both of them back, has his best game of the season in week three, and that's even with Chris Godwin leaving that game in the first half. Uh, so now we're back to a situation where he's maybe playing without one of those two guys. Does that change your feeling on him at all for week four? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think this is a Chargers team that can get pressure while rushing four, and I think that's going to be a challenge for Brady, especially not having his full complement of weapons, not being able to get rid of the ball as quickly as he might like. Uh, I do wonder if part of the counter adjustments here is a more ground heavy attack. You know, the backfield's been a mess the first couple of weeks. We thought the switch to Leonard Fournette happened in week two after that Ronald Jones fumble. Of course, Bruce Arians, as you said earlier this week, really seems to hate us as fantasy owners. Uh, <laughs> yes, but I wonder if, if this matchup in week four is one where both of those backs can actually be viable. Uh, if they're trying to really keep that pass rush at bay. All right, one more thing to hit on here, Derek, before we wrap things up on this episode. Daryl Henderson expected to be the Rams' starting running back per Sean McVay. Uh, he was already there, basically, at least in terms of workload, even if Cam Akers returns this week. But I guess it's a little nice to see him out there on the first play after what he has done the last two weeks. I think he is easily locked in as a fantasy starter until further notice. I don't think you can take too many touches off his plate after he has been very good for this team over the last two games, and we've seen the Rams transition to a much more run-heavy offense than we're used to seeing under Sean McVay. Daryl Henderson's been a huge part of that. But really quick, I wonder what our outlook now is for Cam Akers. Can he get back into the mix enough to be a viable fantasy starter, or does this backfield, at least in the short term, belong to Henderson? I think in the short term, it does belong to Henderson. I think Akers' injury is maybe a little worse than we first thought, so that's also a factor here. Uh, I had the situation a bit wrong. I, I think I looked at Malcolm Brown as maybe more of a threat to be in a timeshare with Henderson, so definitely a, a whiff on my part. And I think one thing that's surprising me, 
uh, looking at the numbers so far, is just Henderson's role in the passing game has been somewhat limited. Had two catches in week two, just one in week three, and that was a game in which they were trailing the Bills throughout. So I'd like to see a little more in the passing game from Daryl Henderson, but where you drafted him, the way he's been used, and with McVay's comments, certainly a guy that these next three to four weeks you feel really good about, at least as a flex play, but probably more as a steady RB2 with occasional RB1 sort of upside. And if he can hold off Cam Akers, if he can keep even 60-65% of the touches out of this backfield, we could be circling back in December and talking about Daryl Henderson as a league winner. But that's a discussion for a few months down the line. we got to wrap things up here on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Right now you can still get a subscription for $1 a month to The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to get that. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.